to the podcast Story Pod with Nishila. In this show, you can tune into stories from amazing people across the world. Through these stories, you will listen to ideas that matter, real-world insights, and positive inspiration. I am Nishila Murthy Koshik, Chief Marketing Officer at HFS and your host for this podcast. In the series The Shiro Diaries, you will listen to stories of women leaders across the globe, their personal life and career journey, choices and decisions which influence them, and reflections from these experiences. Are you ready for stories that can change your life? My guest for today's podcast is Tandra Jackson. Tandra is the Vice Chair of Growth and Strategy at KPMG LLP. In this role, she is responsible for leading KPMG's total firm growth strategy, anticipating and responding to signals of change in the marketplace and aligning the firm's investments in innovative new services and capabilities. A recognized leader in the Houston market and across the region, Tandra is a recipient of very many awards. For example, the 2019 Impact Chairman's Award by the National Black MBA Association, 2019 Hall of Fame inductee by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce, 2018 Women Who Mean Business by the Houston Business Journal, 2017 Top 50 Influential Women in Houston by Houston Women Magazine. 2017 Breakthrough Women by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce and 2017 Women Worth Watching by Diversity Magazine. Passionate about making a difference in a community and society, Tandra is a member of the Louisiana State University's Dean Advisory Council and the advisory board of the National Association of Corporate Directors Houston Chapter. She also serves on several not-profit boards including Women Corporate Directors, CEOs Against Cancer, and the Houston Zoo where she is the audit committee member. Tandra holds an MBA in Information Systems from the University of Houston and a BS in Accounting from the Louisiana State University. Wow Tandra that was such an amazing amazing profile. Welcome to the show and I'm really looking forward to the conversation with you. Oh, thank you so much. It's so exciting to be here. And I was like, who's she reading all that stuff about? It's really it's not really that impressive, but thank you. You sure made it sound impress- impressive. So I appreciate that. Wonderful. So Tandra, uh, you know, the first segment of this podcast is what I call Know the Shiro. The spotlight is on you, Tandra. Here we talk about backstories around the influence of family, upbringing, education, and your career journey. So we'll start with the first question where I would love to know you a bit better in a fun and interesting way. If you had to describe yourself with adjectives starting with the letters of your name, what would they be and why? <laughs> That's a funny question. Thank you, Nishala. Um okay, so Tandra, I would say uh T, I'd say thoughtful. I, it'd be interesting. I wish I could get my husband down here actually to tell you what he really think, what he would think. Uh, but I'd say T thoughtful. I'd say A definitely authentic. Um, I'd say for N probably nosy, and I mean that in a good way. I am I am nosy, like I'm inquisitive about the most random things about people, about their lives, uh, all with a good heart and a good spirit. But I certainly am pretty nosy. Uh, D dedicated for sure. Um, R respectful. 
And I'd say another A is maybe active. Uh, I try to, especially of late, really trying to be active. And especially in COVID, it was pretty easy to sit behind a screen for hours on end. And this is certainly really trying to make sure I've got the body moving. I've got yoga, walking and cycling and all those good things. So I'd say active and pretty high energy. I like this definition of Yotantra. It's it's it sounds so holistic. It sounds so complete. Uh, and I like the nosy part, to be honest, right? I think being inquisitive and curious is extremely, extremely important uh, in life, especially I feel after an age and stage of life, uh, you know, you know, being inquisitive and learning and curious and asking questions is actually supposed to increase the longevity of your life. But you know what, Tandra, I've done this uh, exercise for almost all the guests in my podcast. And I feel it's a very powerful exercise because it also shows um, how you think about yourself. And I feel a lot of, you know, how uh, others perceive you starts with how you think about yourself, because that's what you project in your interactions and conversations with others. So I feel it's powerful. Uh, you know, just these these six adjectives which you use to describe yourself some way also, you know, demonstrate what you believe and what you think about yourself. So thanks for sharing that. Um, I, I'd love now to sort of, you know, do a time travel back to your childhood. Um, you know, I think we are all, you know, in some way, shape or form byproducts of our upbringing and, you know, the experiences we've had in the formative years of your life. Uh, and family plays a huge, huge part in, in, in that you know, um, in those childhood years. So if you had to look back, what do you think was the role and influence of your family uh, in where you stand today? Right. So it's so funny. And it's a really great question because I, I do believe your upbringing, your childhood, uh, it sets the foundation for who you are. My father-in-law would always tell us, my husband and I, you know, your kid's going to be who they are, like by the time they're six or seven, like that's just it. And we used to go, no, it's not true. And now our son is going to be 16 on Sunday. And it's, and it's right. I look back at him and I'm like, okay, probably who he, who he is was sort of shaped and formed really by the time he was six or seven. So I, I look at my childhood and upbringing. And as I was describing those, those adjectives uh, that aligned with my, my first name, many of them were really shaped by my childhood. I mean, my parents were always like, you need to be respectful of everyone. Um, you need to always be you and be authentic and real. And, and you need to do everything and with dedication and excellence. And those were things that were a part of me growing up. So they, they always led with, you have the opportunity to do anything that you want to do. Although my mom told me I needed to go be an accountant because I was good in math. And so you don't cross my mom. You, when she says it, she's like, you go do it. Uh, but, but they were very much of the mindset of all people deserve respect. Um, you treat people the way you want to be treated. And, and there's no, you're never above anyone or anything. And so that sort of shaped even my leadership of like servant leadership and the things that I believe and how I treat, how I aspire to always treat people and not perfect in any way. So that I think those are some of the things Nishala, that really have shaped who I am as a person and, and really how I've tried to shape even our, our child as, as a person. And one day, hopefully he's a leader and doing something great in the world to make a difference, to make an, you know, to make an impact on other, on other people. And that's uh, at the end of the day, what I think life is about. So. 
Absolutely. I think, yeah, I, you know, you are right that uh, we some way, you know, get set in, in some of our belief systems and thoughts very early in life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think you realize some of these things when you become a parent that, you know, when you see your own behavior and you see the behaviors of your kids, uh, you say that, oh my God, you know, this is really uh, the byproduct of some early childhood experiences. You know, if you look back, you will also agree that, you know, education has played an important role uh, in where you stand today. So you know, just wanted to know your thoughts on the importance of education and especially for, let's say, women. Right. Like what do you feel education gives women, um, you know, which becomes important in the longer journey of life and career? Yeah. So as I look at it, I think education and why I'm, I'm passionate about it, I'd, I'd maybe sum it up to as I think about it, three things that education gives you. It gives you creds, you know, the credentials that you need to be at the table. Uh, it gives you a perspective and a point of view, which I think every, every way, every lens that you can see life and a situation through, whether it's work or personal, I think those lenses, those views are incredibly important if you just pause to really realize it, take it in and learn from it. And I think relationships. I mean, if I, if I really think back to you know, undergrad and graduate school, those are the, those are really the three things I got. I got, you, you get some technical knowledge, but quite honestly, you know, what you're learning really is on the job, <laughs> the job that you're in, like that's really putting it into practice, but it's credentials to get to the tables that you want to be at. Um, it's those points of view and that, that knowledge and perspective that you can gain from it. And then it's got to getting to know people. Like that is the hardest part of any job. It's the people part. The technical part's pretty easy, uh, but it's the people and how do you read people? How do you engage with people that are of all different backgrounds? And, and how do you sort of help bring out the best in people to accomplish a com- what you hope is a common goal and objective? And that's an art. It's not a science. And so the relationship part and being able to hone in on that at university is incredibly important, even, even in, you know, grade school and for for our kids. So I'd say those are the three big things for me that why I think education is so important and and why you should think about your educational journey in that way. And and one other thing I'd say is life is I tell I try to tell my team, you're always learning. So like we think of like, okay, I went to university and look how I framed up my response to that. It was all about college. But you think about it, you're, if we all need to have a mindset of continuous learning right now, I've been in this role as vice chair for the past what, year and a half almost. And gosh, I'm like continuing to learn so much because I'm seeing our firm, our great firm, KPMG, uh, in, very, in a very different way than I had before. And I'm getting different experiences. And it's, so it's a continuous learning journey. And you need to have that mindset to be able to, to make the impact and to accomplish the things that you need to within a role or for an organization. I think you summed it up brilliantly, Tandra. You know, uh, you know the credentials, the perspective, and the relationships. I think those are the three most important things which education gives you. So for anyone who is listening in and questioning why college, why, why the additional degree, I think these three should should motivate you to complete the, those, you know, and to sort of get those formal degrees. And like Tandra said, I also echo the sentiment that, um, you know, while formal degrees can, can get you to the chair or the table of your choice, but it is the, you know, the ability to continuously learn and relearn and maybe even unlearn, which will keep you going through it to a long and successful career. I love that. Um, and unlearn. That's very <laughs> that's a very good point. Good one. 
Wonderful, Chandra. So now that we're you know, kind of moving from education to career, um, we, I'd love to hear a little bit about your own career journey and you know, maybe share some top two, three highlights or things that you are particularly proud of or are particularly memorable to you. Uh, we'd love to hear that from you. So, uh, so maybe I'd sum up my career into major blocks. Um, it was graduating university, being an eager, uh, eager young professional starting sort of an industry, which is what I didn't start in professional services. So there was sort of a block of my career where I worked for a number of companies like International Paper, Coca-Cola, you know, large, large organizations um, and worked for them and was doing doing accounting and then helping to lead special projects like uh, an ERP implementation. So that sort of that was one block of my career. And then there was a block of time with entering professional services uh, with with KPMG. Um, and and then there was a time of now sort of maturing as a partner with KPMG and navigating to, to different roles. And so I think in each of those each of those blocks, there's so many memorable moments and lessons that I've learned in industry. Just very different uh, pace at which we worked. It was a, it was really predictable, um, but great ways to be able to learn a business and immerse myself in a business because I I lived in that company each and every day. And I learned the value of really learning and understanding a business, uh, really being amenable to, to different projects and taking on new challenges and finding ways to, to do things differently in the organization. And then in my chunk as a younger professional with, with KPMG, really learning how to engage with different clients and being able to sort of flip on a dime, sort of be quick on your feet um, and really learning just different personalities, different cultures, and how companies work, and then how you need to how you need to engage to get the most out of the client and to help them with their objectives. And then now in the, these sort of leadership roles that I've had with the firm previously as managing partner of our Houston market, and then now as vice chair, it's really saying how do you drive organizational change from within and motivating and engaging people and being patient along the journey because it's not always easy. And so those are like blocks of my career. Like it's everything, I think every, I've always said every experience that you have, there is something in it to learn. You might even if a bad, I've had some bad <laughs> experience, bad projects, things I didn't like, things that didn't go well. And in, in all of them, there's so much lesson and so many blessings in learning those lessons, if you would just reflect. But I'd say those big chunks have really sort of shaped me. And I keep, I'm fortunate to keep having different opportunities to do different things, which really resonates with my personality. I love a challenge and love to tackle different types of, of ways to make an impact. And so those are three big chunks of my career. It's, you know, industry and sort of being, being in corporate and really helping and learning a learning a company and and uh, really helping an organization and then it's professional services as a young professional engaging with clients and then now it's leading really leading in the firm and leading and driving change in the organization and those have been the big sort of blocks of my of my journey so far got more to go but that that's been my 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 path and I've I've worked Michelle for <laughs> probably outside of KPMG. I've worked for probably five companies. So I've never been afraid, like change and variety has been my thing. Um, and I've, I've, there have been so many great relationships, so much great perspective, 
that I've gained in each of those that I've that I have been fortunate to receive that gift of, of that. Thank you for sharing that, Tandra. I know it's 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 right. If I look back at my career journey, I think one of the things which happened uh, right for me was every two to three years, uh, I either change my team, uh, my boss, <laughs> or you know, sort of you know, you know the the role, um, you know, or in some instances, I feel the company. Right. So I feel every two three years, if one of these four things change, you automatically uh, are compelled to learn, grow, evolve, and you know that's important for a long term successful and meaning career. Because I think most of us uh, tend to stagnate if we are compelled to do the same thing for years at length right and I know it's great a lot of people do the same thing for 20 years and obviously they build a level of expertise which uh, is unparalleled but for I think uh, you know many of us based on our individual personalities we love a challenge we love some change we now love exploring new things so it just works uh, beautifully for us I do you know it's so funny too I like that's just been my personality what I what I do tell people this gets to the part of being authentic and knowing yourself and who you are, I, I tell people not every recipe is the same for every person. Yeah. So you have to you have to know yourself. Some people are very much like I love, and I've seen this as people have come into professional services. Some people that really love predictability, they love to know, you know, I'm going to go in at eight and I'm going to be done about six, and that's sort of my thing. And I know what I'm doing, and I love I love this kind of then that is great. I think you always got to stay true to yourself because at the end of the day, if you're not really feeling happy, healthy in the whole of, you know, in, in your career and whatever it is you're doing, you're not going to feel that way in your life. So I think it's important to know yourself. And like you, like me, we love variety. So it's like, I got to have, you know, okay, four years I've been doing this. I'm kind of bored. It's time. <laughs> as long as I've done what I needed to do, it's probably time to do something else. But, you know, people are different. Some people love to do the same thing for, you know, many years and are, are comfortable and love being comfortable. So, although I say be comfortable being uncomfortable, but you know, everybody's different. You got to know yourself for sure. Wonderful. One of the other noteworthy things which come up in our conversations um, uh, when we spoke is that, you know, about career reinvention, right? And I think you consciously maybe reinvented yourself along the uh, way. Um just wanted you to share some insights of how that came about. Was it organic or, you know, was it something that you consciously uh, pushed for? And the reason why I'm asking you this question is because of the pandemic, I think a lot of women have been compelled uh, to reinvent themselves, right? Either from a skill set standpoint or from a role standpoint or from a company standpoint uh, or just in terms of, uh, you know, you know the, the, the ways of working. So I'm just curious to know how that, that, that kind of manifested in your career? I would say um, as I started kind of that first block that I talked about and working in industry, when I was with um, probably my third job out of university, it was a seismic equipment manufacturer uh, based in Houston. And they were, I was in their accounting group. So I was an accounting undergrad doing accounting work I was in grad school. I went to do an MIS uh, in grad school. And then I was they I was having my day job of working in the accounting group. And we were implementing then Oracle, an Oracle ERP system. And I was I raised my hand to be on the team to do that. And then I joined Coca-Cola and I was leading their accounting group, which is my day job. And they asked me to lead uh, the, our division of 
our division's SAP systems implementation and loved it. And that was probably the point of reinventing my career because at that point, our global leader for the program asked me to join the global team and travel around the world implementing the system across COPE divisions. Uh, my CFO told me no, he didn't want me to go. And so I left the firm and I left Coca-Cola and came over to KPMG. And that was a that was a change. That was a reinvention of me. I went from living within a company, doing accounting, which I loved. I didn't I didn't not like my job. I loved it. But then just something completely different of helping clients process, you know, risk and and uh, compliance consulting. I mean, something that was just a very different career, which required a reinvention of me and my skills. And so then I headed down that path. I, I think for me. I didn't seek to. I didn't seek to do it. It sort of it came to me because I was always very open. I always wanted a challenge. I didn't shy away from raising my hand from special projects. And so, having that mindset that I'm always growing and learning, and not being afraid to try something new, led me down a path of reinvention. I didn't seek out the reinvention, but it led me down the path. And so I, I, that's why I tell people like, okay, you can have aspirations. You could want your career to head down this path. You could see yourself at XYZ position in 10 years, but be open. Like don't be on the narrow path, like open the freeway and let other stuff come in so that that way you don't, you don't know what 10 years could look like for you. And, but you won't have opportunities if you're closed and you think you only want to go down this road and this path to this destination. I think being open, approachable, raising your hand for special projects, being agile and, and trying things that, you know, don't let fear stop you, trying new things. I think that'll set you up to get yourself continually reinvented because you'll get opportunities to do something different and it might spark, you know, a fire within you that you're like, okay, I really, I really like this. I really enjoy it. And so I, that's kind of for me, Michelle, how I, the reinvention happened. I'd love to say I was like a mad scientist and then planned this on my own, but I wasn't. It, it happened by virtue of the mentality and the mindset that I've, I've carried through my career. Wonderful. So it happened organically, uh, Tandra, and I think that's the best way it, it, it should happen for, for most of us. Uh, and, you know, with that, we come to the end of the first segment of the podcast. Uh, Tandra, thank you so much for sharing your uh, personal life and your journey in a very authentic and open way. I'm sure anyone who's listening in uh, will go back with either something to think about or, you know, a, a little little nugget of wisdom from you because you've shared so many little tips and tricks that of what's worked for you and you know sort of what people can maybe take as part of their everyday life a second segment tandra uh, we talk unfiltered about leadership making choices and skills to lead in today's era i also talk a little bit about ideas on how to build diverse and inclusive organizations my first question is really around the impact of the global pandemic on all our lives. Uh, I think, you know, there's, there's, you know, whether we are as individuals, families, communities, businesses or society as large, I feel the pandemic has impacted and changed all our lives. Uh, it is also very true and real that working women and mothers have been really hit hard. And hence, we hear a lot about how COVID has 
propelled us into what's called a she-session, uh, a term which is used to describe the negative impact of women's participation in the workplace. What are your observations and reflections of the situation on the ground that you have encountered in the context of working women? So I, so I think generally there is a, a massive uh, war for talent. I think the pandemic has caused all humans, not just women, but women probably hit even harder. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but everybody that sort of pause and reflect on life, because who would have ever thought they'd see a global pandemic in their lifetime? I did not see that coming for sure. So I, so I think generally there has been a, a pause and a reflection on life and what's important and different people have handled this whole crisis and, you know, being sort of isolated in some respects, depending on your personal situation in, in just very different ways, which has caused a strain on our talent pool for sure that we've got and just massive, massive war for talent. I think so coupled with just generally uncertainty and life was hard. Then you had um, dual, you know, working families with kids that were home and someone had to make the decision on who's going to homeschool. How can we handle it? How can we? And quite often, not all the time, but quite often women uh, carried the burden of doing that. And so if you had young kids, it was much easier to make the decision of, I'm going to take a step back. One of us goes forward and I'll be the one to care for, to homeschool, to make sure we, we, we get this, uh, get our personal lives under control. And so what you, what you find is, is women leaving, um, leaving the workforce temporarily for a variety of reasons. In our field, in professional services, we've always had a challenge, and this is across all of the big firms, with women uh Associate level, we, we hire 50% men, 50% women generally, especially off campus. And when you can see when women get to about the manager ranks, they, they opt out of the work. And about that time is when they're you know getting married, having kids, and they just go like, oh, this is just too much of a heavy drain on my family. We're gonna, my husband's going to go ahead and I'm going to just you know work inside of the home, which is actually a really hard job, by the way. Um, so, so yeah, so we, we found that generally we've had it and then clearly COVID has, has also continued that, that path. I will say there've been a lot of advancements though, in terms of how do you provide sort of what we call flex of purpose, the flexibility of where you work, the flexibility of how you work and when you work. And I think companies are really trying to find some creative ways to keep our talent in the workforce. Cause if we don't have that diversity of gender, diversity of backgrounds, et cetera, your teams are just not as high performing as you need them to be and company outcomes are not what we aspire, aspire to have them to be. So, so I think companies are trying to, to learn, get smarter about how we do it, but certainly observations are, we've generally always seen a, there's a time for professional services when women decide to opt out, whether it's temporarily or permanent. Um, and certainly in COVID, there've been more decisions around, hey, I need to just take a pause because it's, it's simply just too much and we don't know how long this is going to be in play. So cer certainly saying that, but, but I'd, say, um, I'd say for us, we've, we've really tried to crack the code on how do, we, how do we get after that and support our women. And, and I'd say also, Nishla, what I found is women seeing other women leaders and women leaders being authentic about their challenges and being vulnerable and sharing helps. It's a little bit of support like, oh, okay, well, you had that problem too. I, I didn't know that. I thought I was alone. So there's something in that, that sharing and uh, seeing another 
woman that has kind of gone through what you have get to a level that, hey, it's okay. It's this is how I've done it. And it works different for everybody. I think that that helps. And that helps us retain our talent. At least within KPMG, it's worked really well for us. Make a great point, Tandra, and that's part of the spirit with which we actually started this podcast, right? Because sometimes you just need to hear an authentic story from, uh, you know, a woman leader, a successful woman leader, an accomplished woman leader, and just talk about, you know, her own journey in a way which is relatable. Uh, because you know, all of us who are mothers deal with the similar issues as as parents, right? And sometimes, you know, you just feel you're in it alone. So, some, you know, all it needs sometimes is somebody to say this too shall pass. I've been there, hang in there, you know, just just take it slow, but don't drop off, right? And then, and then you know, that phase generally, you know, you can survive and, you know, obviously it's, you know, your kid also grows and, you know, becomes independent. So, you know, kind of the phases of dependency, <laughs> you know, reduce and only get better with time. Um, you made some great points uh, on the situation on the ground, Tadra, and I read a World Economic Forum which which said report which said that 2022 is when uh, we'll actually start seeing um, you know um, some positive change in terms of uh, women's participation back in the workplace. Um, so if you have to kind of you know look at it from the lens of an organization, what in your view is something that organizations can do or should be doing here and now uh, to create a more diverse, inclusive, and equitable work environment in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So I think organizations, number one, need to be intentional um, and acknowledge and understand where they've got gaps, uh, gaps in terms of everything from how they attract talent, where they look for talent, and how they source talent to then how they develop and have the right not only development plan, but the right culture for people for a diverse set of talent to to not only survive, but to thrive. And then how do they sort of then promote and progress uh, diverse talent so that you have representation here that can serve as that inspiration and hope. And by the way, create a high performing team that's going to lead an organization. So I, so I think being intentional, number one, through the entire sort of value chain or employee, employee uh, experience chain, of an organization is important. I think number two, setting big aspirations. And I know there's debate over quotas and doing that. Like, look, okay, so if you don't set a target, like, do you really, what are you aiming for? So I, I do believe in setting some aspirations and being bold in your aspirations. And third is accountability. Like something, you know, what gets measured gets done. Um, if you don't hold people accountable, like, Okay, you might do it, you might not do it. And so that that's some of the things that we've been doing at KPMG is to really drive one, the how do we think about the stream, the kind of the employee experience, value chain and, and experience stream to ensure that we've got sort of the right tactics in place along that full journey. How do we how do we set goals for we aspire to have more diverse talent? We aspire to have you know this percentage of women. We aspire to have this percentage of black and Hispanic professionals because we know but we're we're light in that today. So what does that need to look like? And then our CEO holding himself and his leadership team accountable. And so you do that and you start to get results. And and I think companies also need to you know I had this kind of was on a CNBC uh, panel on. Um, board diversity. And what I said on that is the same thing that companies need to do. You got to kind of widen the net. You can't always go hunt at the same spots and think you're going to get different results. So you you really have to think about 
talent in a different way and looking for different, you know, different backgrounds of talent. So maybe not all the degrees that you would traditionally have looked for. Maybe you look for something different because you can then cast a wider net in terms of the talent pool and the diversity within that talent pool, looking at different universities or different sources of, of talent to be able to tap into areas that you just have not have. And that gets to, that's the intentionality, you know, because if you keep doing what you've always done, you won't, the results will be the same. And if that's what you want, then okay, <laughs> you should do that. But you really got to set an intentional plan and then hold your folks accountable for executing on that plan. So to get, the type of workforce that we need in the today and in the future. I love your answer, Tandra. I love how you simplify things and you always give it in points of three, which is my favorite. And I don't even know what you're <laughs> so you say you saying all being, my brain can handle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's how much anyone's brain can handle, right? So usually if you see the best communication experts always say break it down to points of three, right? And nobody can absorb beyond three. So it seems like you're doing great on that front by saying about being intentional, uh, setting goals for yourself and you know having accountability within the organization to helping and achieve those goals. And it's pretty simple, right? It finally you will see results if you follow all these three. You know, we all know that organizations can support us as women doing multiple initiatives, programs, policies, uh, you know, interventions. Uh, but it is still a very personal story of how women navigate work and life and everything else in between that happens. Uh, I know you're I know you're a you're a mom and you know you're also a very successful professional at KPMG, which is I know, you know, sort of just that means that. You're extremely having an extremely hectic um, work schedule and long working hours. And you also travel, uh, you know, a lot because we've taken so long to, you know, get this conversation going. So you have a crazy schedule and I'm aware of that. Uh, but I'm just curious to know, personally, how do you manage between uh, doing justice to your professional commitments and personal responsibilities? If you look back, what sort of approaches or support systems or even technology and solutions have you used to help you come so far? <laughs> That's funny. I, um, you know, it's so funny. Just when I think I've cracked the code on it, then some days I go like, I didn't crack the code. I'm failing at this. Um, Oh, one being honest, I think is a is a very important thing. So I so I guess I have to start with the advice that I give a lot of women uh, that's you know helpful to me in my career is is number one you got to know yourself, and and the reason I say that and it is men and women you you have to know sort of how you how you work and how you can be your personal best, and I'll I'll click on that here for a minute. So for me, I didn't realize this early on, but then as I became a mom, and of course, then had more to juggle personally and professionally, my husband was in consulting, so he traveled all the time. So being a mom of a young child, being in consulting, my husband in, in traveling consulting is a really, really hard adjustment. And for me, I had to figure out how do I best work? I had a person on my team, and he was very much a, when I'm at the office, sort of a very much what I call a boundary worker. And he, he was able to really set and execute with clear boundaries because that's how he could be his best. That's how he felt his best. So he was like, when I was at, when I'm at work, I'm at work and I'm all in. I mean, I'm going to start my day at six, but I'm going to end at five. Don't email me after. Don't call. I'm so efficient. I can get what I need to get done here. And only an extreme emergency call me after any of those times. And he, and it worked. It's worked so well for him because he knew himself that was his personality. 
I know myself, I'm not that way. I, I would never be happy that way. I would never be happy if somebody didn't, didn't call me after six with something important that I'd actually want to know or something that's even not that important that I just wanted to know. So for me, I'm very much an integrator, like this integration kind of concept. So for me, it's like not, you know, it's work-life integration. So maybe I'm like pulling up to the grocery store and I'm on a call and I'm like, okay, I'm done with the call. I'm going to go run in and grab some items that I need to pick up because my kids got to have something for snack for school. And so I, I very much then had to figure out that that was my personality and how I worked and could be my best. And once I did that and I realized myself and how I could work, then I could start to execute in that way. And so that was sort of one big thing of, of knowing yourself and knowing how you work that's going to best help you. The other thing for me was, was just to be honest when I was having a hard time and to ask for help. And that was very hard to do. I was, when I was a new mom and my husband was, was traveling and I had had an experience where I had come back, come back to work. I had a very difficult pregnancy. I was on bed rest for, you know, six weeks. A month of that was in the hospital. Our son was in the hospital for two months. He was born at 27 weeks, very tiny. So I was out most of my second year as a senior manager in the firm. And so when I came back to the firm and my third year as a senior manager, I was just having, I was hard in the beginning. I had a sitter that was keeping our friend's kid. And so he said, oh, great, let her keep our kid. And so she would run these errands. So one day I was going to drop him off and I wasn't at my set schedule because I had a client meeting. So I was a little bit late because I was timing my schedule. I went to her house. She wasn't there. And so like, I freak out. I call her. I'm like, I have a client meeting. And I was never late for a client meeting. I have a client meeting. We're doing a pitch. You're not home. I've got to drop him off. And, and um, she's like, oh, just meet me down the street. I'm at the store. Who does that? So anyhow, I do this. I call my, my partner and try to go, this, I like, I'm going to be late. This is horrible. And I get there. They had just walked in the door. So it was perfect. Meeting went great. After we walked out of the meeting, I told them, I told the partner, I go, Hey, look, it was a Friday morning. I remember it so clearly. I go, this is not working for me. I'm probably going to need to do something different. Uh, just, uh, you're going to get a note from me on Monday. I just, this is not going to work. The partner sends me, partner looks at me and says, go home. Just go home now. Don't go to the office. Go the rest of the day. He said, then he sends me a note that night. Do not send me a note. You're not resigning. Come talk to me on Monday. And I talked to him. And then that's when he really helped me click into myself. He's like, you're trying to do everything on your own. We love you here. You need to raise your hand and ask for help. Do you need to reduce your schedule? You have all these options, yet you will not ask for them. Yet you, you feel like you have to resign to be able to handle this. And that was like a moment of, okay, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing? And so all too often, you don't want to raise your hand until it's like you've gotten yourself like to this, you know, you're, you're, you're over, over the top and then you're just ready to drop everything. And I think you, you've got to know yourself, know what's going to work with your personality and how that sort of work-life harmony can work for you based on yourself. And then don't be afraid to ask for help. Raise your hand, lean on your team, because that's the beauty of working in an organization with a team, because the team, just like a, just like a sports team, they can pick up, you know, people are waiting there to help pick up, uh, pick up the gaps when you, when you have a need. I mean, that's the beauty of, of working together. So I don't know, those things have been things that I've, I've learned 
through my career. And I've, I've also, I'd say this, I've also learned that, you know, especially for me being a mom, I'd say there, there were times in my career when, when I got through that and as our son was growing up that I felt like, oh, I'm traveling, like I'm maybe I'm missing out on. And I really, I really learned to kind of big rocks for me, like what are sort of the big rocks, the big moments that I need to focus on. And so, for example, our son was in Taekwondo and the biggest thing for him was like when you made like third degree black belt, you had this big, got on stage, your parents had to make this big speech about you. So it was always our thing that no matter what, my husband and I would be at that ceremony whenever he got it. And so finally he got it. Well, his ceremony was scheduled when I was going to be in, um, where was I? In Seoul, South Korea. <laughs> and so anyhow, I went to Seoul and I told the team, I was like, guess what? I'm leaving early because I'm going to miss a lot of this meeting because our son has made this third degree. And I, there is no way I'm missing that. And so I wouldn't do that with everything. I wouldn't do that if he had a class party or, you know, a game, a sports, you know, a golf tournament. And he's got a million golf tournaments. But you have to know sort of the big rock and the non-negotiables. And you have to set those and be okay with it. Because if you don't, you will regret it. It'll eat at you. And you just, it, it just, you, you know, won't really let you be your best. And so I think really understanding too, where do those big rocks and then I'd say one other thing, I just think about this, I'm going on and on, but one other thing that I that has helped me that I just didn't realize is the impacts of me doing what I do on my son. And you you typically think impact is, well, I got to be there for every event. I need to be mother of the year. I need to be working in the classroom and let them see me. And that's not really impact. And the way that I that came home for me was my son was about when he was about five or six years old, I had been traveling um, that week and just had been busy over the course of several weeks. And so when I came home, I had uh, I used to be on the board of the Ronald McDonald House. I had a, a board meeting. So I picked my son up and I took him with me. And so we were in this big room and he sat on one side of the room and then we had our meeting on the other side and he was coloring and doing some schoolwork. After the meeting, we're in the car and I'm kind of like, oh, I kind of feel bad. Well, and I've been traveling. Then I had I had to go to this meeting and then I, then I brought my son. I didn't even get to spend time with him. And it's quiet in the car on the way back. And then he just says out of the blue, mom, I sure like the way you handled yourself in that meeting. That was good. He's like five or six years old. I swear I like almost drove off the road like in tears. But that showed me he was listening and watching me and that what I was doing had an impact on him. And I said, I was like, wait a minute, I've been thinking impact is I got to be like in a classroom doing these mother things. And that wasn't impact is like, there's so many different ways. And so I, I just share that because I, I think as, as maybe mothers and even fathers, you, you think things have to be a certain way. And you think this is what the, with, you know, the, the magical sort of work life integration or balance or whatever it is needs to look like. It is different. You've just got to make those decisions around what are the big rocks? Know that there's so many ways to make an impact. Raise your hand. I mean, and and know yourself enough to know that that's four points. To know the uh, to know what's going to be work best for you in terms of really you know balancing sort of work and life. And you do that, and and you figure it out along the way. There is no there is no silver bullet recipe. It's just different for everybody, and you got to know enough about yourself to figure out in your situation and your your uh your spouse to to figure out how to make it make it happen
I'm sorry, that was really long-winded, but I had so many things popping into my head on that one. No, that was a wonderful answer, loaded and layered with wisdom, and I think your real-life personal experiences, and those are always the the most uh, powerful and most uh, a sort of memorable answers for anyone who is listening it, right? I mean, you know, all those experiences, you know, I could relate to it as a mother too, because I've had many of those moments where I question, I wonder, I think about, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough? And sometimes it just takes your child, you know, you know, to just make one or two sentences and then you feel, hey, you know what? I'm okay. My kid is okay. <laughs> and I think, you know, I've done, I've done, I've done, I mean, you know, I've done something right as a mother, right? So, you know, you might not get all the gold stars and all these sort of, you know, uh, you know, trophies and glories, but, you know, they, they're okay and you're okay too. So I think that's the most important gift as, um, as mothers. It is a gift, absolutely. So wonderful, Tara. That brings us to the end of um, the second segment. And uh, we now dive right into the third segment, which is my favorite part of the podcast. It's really a fun rapid fire where we want to hear quick and quirky responses from you. Are you ready? All right, let's go. Okay. My first question is, what is the one piece of advice you would tell a 20-year younger version of yourself? Build your network. Wonderful. Why do you think women should have girlfriends? Because you need a woman to tell it, tell it straight. I say this, think straight, talk straight. You need a woman to do that. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Who do you call when you first have a moment of success? And who do you call first when everything goes wrong? <laughs> I think, uh, um, Husband on husband on both quickly followed by my besties, my two besties. They they get the they get the text or the call right away. It's probably like right parallel. Like I'm talking to him and texting them at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, which celebrity alive would you like to meet given a chance? Oh, I want to meet. Oh, I feel like I have one. Oh, okay, Barack Obama and Beyonce. I like. I don't know. I feel like I could. I wish I could dance like Beyonce or any. Anyhow, I got like a. I could go on and on about that. Those are two on my list. <laughs> Wonderful. So my last question is: Will you ever dance at a meeting? Oh, I have. <laughs> yes, and yes. <laughs> Wonderful. And I hope you dance your way through success, Tandra, for all the future in terms of your career and your personal life and, uh, you know, your aspirations to meet Barack Obama and Beyonce and, uh, you know, have fun. And, you know, I just hope you make it large and all your dreams come true. Thank you so much for being a guest in our podcast. Thank you so much. This was great fun. Great way to start a Tuesday. Thank you.